Hey, welcome everyone. We are back with the new episode of the SaaS Sessions podcast. Uh, if you're turning in for the first time, I'd like to personally welcome you to a listener base of over seventeen thousand people. Yes, just like a few weeks back, we uh, crossed seventeen thousand folks. When we did the last episode, we were at still sixteen thousand, so it's going pretty fast. And right, so today we have Abash Kumar. Abash, uh, I've known him for about three years now. Abash, right? and he's been a part of like a lot of high growth companies like byjuice your story and currently at springworks so springworks if you have not heard it's one of the fastest growing hr tech companies in india known not only for their tech and the product but also for their innovative culture os which what we're going to talk about right in this episode with abash so at springworks uh, he plays the role of vp marketing overlooking the branding the demand gen the employer branding activities and the cultural initiatives that that you know plays the magic at springworks right like everybody is talking about them at on on linkedin <laughs> so great so without further ado abash welcome on the show we have been talking about since what past 3 years now but finally got <laughs> got some time around to do it right yes yes finally we are here thank you so much sunil and uh, yeah great to hear that the uh, podcast has 17000 listeners you know i like to throw around this stat a lot uh, <laughs> around uh, 4000 or so episodes, uh, podcasts are launched every week yeah and by the time so essentially if you cross episode number 21 you are like in the top 1% of the podcast yeah, yeah. i think and we so, read the same article <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this was another podcast where i heard this i think chris uh-huh. uh else podcast but anyway uh-huh. uh, i digress yeah great to be great to be on the podcast you know like you said i've known you for 3 years now uh, you know fantastic stuff with the saas podcast and uh, yeah gr- uh, great to be here let's let's talk <laughs> about all things brand marketing if i would but from the yeah. an- angle of employer branding employee advocacy is that's what we want to focus on makes sense makes sense and if people are wondering how do i know habash i think we met at uh, the first ever brotex uh, in person session that happened in 2019 and that was like crazy and <laughs> abash like one of, was one of the like six Attendees. people who attended yeah. uh, the session that was like way 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 long back and now i think most of the people who listen to the show are also aware of protex and it's Pro-tex. like a huge overlap <laughs> so but yeah would love to so abash i i know i gave a very short intro about you and springworks but would love you to you know share more about how your journey has been into the saas ecosystem and you know what you folks are doing at springworks sure 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 so yeah a quick quick recap of my career if you will you know started a student startup back in college this is manipal back in 2011 it was a college student startup i figured out you know i was not meant to be running a startup i wanted to be an employee very very early i figured that out and that's when i joined byjuice this was back when byjuice was you know there there was no app there was you know sharukh khan there was no billion dollar funding this was just a cat institute so i had a short stint there even there you know the company grew quite a bit and then i took a break of sorts for a year went back uh, to sort of the roots like the startup ecosystem events and such and that's how i ended up joining your story where i've 
learned all my marketing so to speak right on the job three and a half almost four years at your stories where i learned all my marketing jobs had a very short stint at factor daily so till that point it's mostly you know media the first job at byju's was of course more of business development sales right and yeah just just a side note that's what i keep telling people who ask me you know how do i get into marketing my answer is always start with sales because that somehow i think you know teaches you humility and you know just talking to the customer which is like i think i believe is a bedrock of marketing right just being able to talk to your customers but yeah that's how my saas journey started after i joined springworks we were of course you know doing a bunch of stuff in crypto blockchain side of things but also you know we have and will always be an hr tech company at the heart as in even the blockchain thing was we were trying to solve for you know i think of it as linkedin for blockchain and we can have a separate session on why in hindsight that is a very very bad positioning because you are <laughs> sort of competing you're putting yourself against linkedin right away right so that was one mistake in hindsight but yeah that's where mm-hmm. my saas journey started i have been doing it for four four and a half years now and yeah that's that's been my time with springworks we've launched a bunch of products uh, mm. there have been you know b2b Uh, products as well as self serve saas one uh, product also has a plg motion one is very very sales led so yeah all all sorts of uh, you know uh, variety of stuff uh, to play with uh, in terms of marketing like not not again as i said right like springworks is not only known for the product and the tech that you folks have but the amazing culture that uh, that you know the the founders and the employees have built right in the company So how do you go about defining the culture at Springworks? Sure. So of course I was not there at day 0 like the company started earlier than I joined. But of course for all intents and purposes you can say you know that was the start of this journey as in the founder Karthik Mandaveli there is only one founder by the way. I mean there is no other word to describe it. He's obsessed with you know employee centricity, employee well-being, right? Like he wants to create this organization where not wants to like that is what our organization is right like every decision that we take is taken with the employee well being the center of it right whether it's a decision on what sort of products we want to build and i will get into that all of our products have come from that philosophy itself right that's how we have built products we built products to solve our own challenges and when we realize you know this is working very well well for us we start you know of course you know selling it to the world if you will but yeah it, it's a very ingrained thing you know in karthik and one of the stories that he keeps telling us is you know at his he was at carnegie mellon he did his masters at carnegie mellon in the us and at his when he was interviewing for his first job is when you know the person who was interviewing him the ceo of i forget the name of the name of the company he said you know karthik one third of your life will be spent at the workplace i mean of course the definition of at the workplace has of course changed in the past <laughs> two, two years but that was his thing like you would want to work at a workplace where you would love to come to every day and he sort of took that to heart and he then decided to make this a workplace of course he being the founder wanted to create a workplace where every employee would you know want to go to and again go to meaning you know whether it is remote hybrid in mm-hmm. office whatever and would feel good about it right so that's that's the main philosophy is how can we take how can we incorporate employee well being at the center of decision making now what does that mean in practicality right let let's take one example here one very very recent example right so one of the things is 
we reduced our notice period. Typically, companies have a notice period of one month, right? Once an employee decides to quit the company, you have to stay back for a month, which is decent. Many companies have notice periods of two months, even three months, right? And they give all sorts of justification for why that is. We will not go into that. But we said, you know, two weeks is more than enough time for anyone to be able to do that knowledge transfer. And given that we are, a, by the way, we are a fully distributed remote company that believes in async work, right? So very few calls, most of the things are documented and we will get into more of that later. So we decided like if everything is documented, if everything is already there on Slack channels, what, what is this requirement of one month of knowledge transfer, right? So can we reduce the notice period to two weeks? And that comes from the thought process that if an employee has already decided to leave the company, why should we put any roadblocks in their way? Right. Like I'm not saying companies that have one month notice period have sort of, you know, put a roadblock. There might be genuine reasons for that. But for us, for our specific use case, if we can remove that roadblock, why not? Another example for that is we removed all sorts of non-compete, uh, you know, things that you have in your employment agreement, right? You can't work for, say, you can't start the company in same domain. You can't work for, I mean, most of it mm -hmm. is legalese. How many companies do even follow that? But we have yeah. removed that altogether. So their Karthik's think, thinking process is going forward, we will all have sort of, we will not work for one single company, right? Like going forward, we will have, you know, multiple jobs. Maybe we will be, you know, consultants working for multiple companies. So can we start thinking from that? Like one of the things that I realize is his thought process is some, there, there are X number of things that can disrupt the way we work. And that those mm -hmm. are going to happen in say one, two or five years. But can mm -hmm. we start, you know, disrupting ourselves even before that thing comes, right. becomes means. And so all of that comes from that thought process. Got it. No, that, that's a very interesting take also, right? There's this Ocon culture, right? I was talking about like having a different perspective, like removing all these so-called terms that are there in the employment agreement. Again, as you said, not sure like how many companies follow those actually. Like the non-compete yeah. one is very, it's a very bad one in India, specifically yeah. where, and the other one is the notice period because companies exploit the notice period like anything. It, it, it should be dependent on role to role as well, right? Like if the yeah, role is yeah. too deep and sometimes it might take 60 days, yes, right? Agreed, justifiable, right? But some for some roles, I mean, you can just go off in two weeks, man. Like it, it well, should, for it majority should... of the roles, Sunil, I would say there yeah. are maybe ten to twenty roles in each company that you know are that deep that they yeah. need maybe sixty it, to ninety days. Yeah, and and probably for the non-compete as well. I mean, it should also be role to role. Like for somebody who's like a marketer yeah. or who's a product manager or who's anyone for them, non-compete for like shouldn't matter much, right? Like yeah. same as the, the notice period part. But yeah, yeah, coming to that point, like defining culture, as we talked about it earlier, it's very important for it to come from top down. And top when down. I say top down, it's not always the executives. It's also your manager, right? If you're as a, if you're a marketing person, you're a manager. If you are a product person, like, like head of product, right? Or 
any department basically so like how do you inculcate these these kind of values not only into the employees but also to the people who are managing other people right so i remember about ben horowitz i've read two books by him like the hard things about hard things and the recent one he launched in 2019 like what you do is who you are right and in that yeah. book he tells a beautiful story i don't know if you've read that book but for most people like i'll just explain the story in very short so what ben tells is like you know the analogy of a gang member running his gang is like a ceo or a founder running his company if a gang member makes a mistake and uh, do you punish the member or do you not punish the member right if you don't punish then it sets up expectations in all the other gang members that hey you can do mistakes and those would yeah. be let go and if you punish the member then it might you know create a sense of fear in the people yeah. that you know hey, you're not allowed to do mistakes right but in if you take that analogy and apply it to a company right like obviously like mistakes are welcomed and you learn from them but then how do you make sure that you know there is a there is some sort of control like you want people to have the freedom in the company and do whatever they want but also still have control in like you know not from a controlling standpoint where you are micromanaging their activities yeah. but still like you know there are some guidelines that you need to follow Right, and you know it. It might it does affect like you know small small activities in your day to day work. That's why it's been said, right? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. So no matter how much of our strategy you do, the culture is not right. It's nothing's gonna work, right? Okay. So what are these small playbooks, or you know, or what are the things that has worked for Springworks particularly? Sure. So yeah, like you said, you know, there is carrot, there is stick, all of that, right? But the one thing that works very, very well for us and is one of our culture tenets. By the way, we have defined ten culture tenets, and one of them is err on the side of over communication. And and it's mm-hmm. it's sort of amazing that this culture tenet was created even before we went remote. Now <laughs> with us being remote this has become the most important culture tenet right which is one thing that i you know say is called this philosophy is called cry which is essentially constantly repeat yourself so in coding <laughs> in coding there is this philosophy of dry don't repeat yourself right but for culture what works is cry constantly repeat yourself so nothing is going to be you can write you know several documents but of course you know documentation is very important if you leave things to uh, you know how people perceive it you know people will make 10 people for the same statement will make 10 meanings out of it right so you need to be very very explicit and that only happens by constantly repeating yourself and that's what we do very very well right so we don't rely on say you know we wrote a document of course we have a written guideline we have a written documentation and everything but we don't just rely on that we keep repeating it over and over again so one of the very very small things it might seem even trivial is that you know we have set up our slack in such a way that any time we type out a culture tenet as is so say you know if i were to type out err on the side of over communication exact same thing the uh, the slack bot immediately pops up what the, what this culture tenet means right yes. one is the mm-hmm. four or five words itself but what did we mean when we what do we mean when we say err on the side of over communication right so any mm-hmm. t- any time someone types that the definition of it not the definition as in the explanation of the no, no. yeah it gets mentioned by slack itself the other mm-hmm. thing that we did and this is where we go back to you know how the culture is sort of defining how we build products as well is we have a product called engage with right which is essentially rewards and recognition tool 
which works within Slack and MS Teams. So, you know, you have to give a kudos or a shout out uh, to a colleague or anyone from cross team as well, maybe to your manager even for something that they helped you with or, you know, a job well done, whatever, right? Okay, kudos, you know, you wrote a very good copy for this website page, right? That sort of stuff. So for every time you give a kudos or a shout out, you have to also assign a culture tenet to it. Which of the 10 culture tenets did this particular activity or action, this, this person you are recognizing for, you know, is a good example of, right? So if, if someone, you know, followed up a bunch of times uh, to get something, to see something get published, right? So many a times what happens is you might say, you know, okay, my job is done here. I have written the copy. I've sent it to the designers. Now it's the job of someone else to, you know, take it live. But even if it was not your job, you saw saw to it that, you know, you ensured you followed up with the designers, you ensured you followed up with the front-end developer to see that the page is published. Then the culture tenet that you followed is execution is the metric. Right? Mm. That is the only, yeah. that is one of the culture tenets that we have. So when I'm giving a kudos to someone, along with saying, you know, good job following up, seeing this to fruition, a good job getting our landing page live. Along with that, the tool itself prompts, you know, which value does nice. this, which culture tenet does this person recognize, right? So it's sort of a feedback loop. Now, because this is posted in a public channel and other people within the team are seeing that, you know, oh, this person did this. And this is how they sort of took the value forward, uh, took the culture mm -hmm. forward by doing it, right? So there mm -hmm. is a subconscious association. Of course, no one is making notes that, you know, oh, if I have to do this well, this is the value, this is the culture. Yeah. But subconsciously, you are building that feedback loop within the organization and you're sort of re reinforcing the culture. Right? Yeah, sort of recognition as well. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So there is recognition and the recognition is backed up by a culture tenet. And that's why, you mm -hmm. know, whenever we, you know, some other organization that sort of onboards on engage with, we also, in many cases, you know, we have told them, okay, you don't have culture tenets. Maybe, you know, your HR team or the founding team or the management team should create a culture tenet. So we are not just trying to, even with our products, when we are doing a sales led motion, right? Mm -hmm. So we are not just trying to sell them the product. We are also mm -hmm. trying to, you know, pass on some of the learnings that we have had from our culture. Some of the right. things that have helped us build this, you know, good culture that many people on, you know, LinkedIn, of course, we talk about it on LinkedIn enough. And many other people, you know, reach out to Karthik or me or someone else in the team, you know, how can I build the same for us? Mm -hmm. So we have a very sort of, you know, we, we, we get into the dirt, so to speak, right? So we yeah. tell them, you know, not just this tool, but here are 10 other things that, you know, we do that you could try. We are not mandating it, but here are the other things that you can try if you're genuinely interested in building a good culture. Makes sense. And that brings me to my next point, right? About like building a great environment by acting and not talking. Like you are inculcating yeah. those things yourself and you're acting it out and you're, it's just not like, you know, words written on the wall, you know, in yeah. the good frames that, you know, hey, these are our culture tenets and, you know, you have to follow this or whatever. But yeah. that that's really great to know. But I'm, I'm very sure like, you know, this is like one of one of companies. I mean, there might be other companies who might be doing like 20, 30, 50, 60% of it, but I'm very sure not 100% based on how much, <laughs> like all the companies that I've spoken to and uh, all the people that I've spoken to at these companies. What I really like is uh, that the same part that I just spoke, right? Like acting and like, you know, actions and not only words, right? 
so when where where you know when you hire people at springworks right so you you check if they have the matching skills for the job they have they can do it or not even if they don't have 100% skill but they do have the right mindset to do it great like works so you might have all the technical and functional and personal skills are check 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 right but do you also have like a culture check right since like you have a lot of culture tenets that are built in your org that makes me think do you have like you know culture fit test that you do with each new employee that is joining the company because i think most of the people at springworks who have joined might not have been in the same or like you know close Got to it. same environment in their previous org right it's very different and now when they come here it might be like a cultural shock for them a good cultural shock that okay this is how this also happens <laughs> but it's still a shock right so how do you break that barrier sometimes when you know you tell good things to people they it, they find it hard to believe that you know because it's too good to be true too good to be true. <laughs> so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So that so happens how, a lot with us by the way yeah so how do you break no, that sir. barrier with uh, hiring when it comes to hiring these people sure sure so to be very very specific to your question we don't have a culture test right so there is no specific culture test as such and by the way we don't expect any uh, single person to you know i mean there is no way to test out by the way that you know they follow <laughs> yeah. all these 10 culture tenets but i will take a step back and tell you what that means for us right so we are uh, sunil a bootstrapped company right so unlike some of our funded counterparts be i would like to caveat here that we do pay well i think we are <laughs> you know 30 percent 30% above market but we are nowhere close to like a series b series d funded company right in terms of paying so that's why we have focused so much on employer brand right right an employer mm-hmm. brand as an output of what we actually do like you said you know we actually do these things we don't just say these things now i will take take this back to the the paradigm of i will give you the analogy of brand marketing here as well right, right. we mm-hmm. all know as saas practitioners i'm assuming you know most of the people who listen to this would be saas practitioners you also know know this product differentiation is dead right mm-hmm. every product looks feels does the same thing most of the products will have 95% of the same features all the website home pages if you were to redact the name of the company no one will be able to tell which is what right unless mm-hmm. you are from the saas ecosystem you know everyone knows what the company is but if you were to ask a lay person you know remove the name they would not know the difference so that's where brand comes into the picture right yeah. that is the whole mm. that is the whole uh, philosophy thesis of brand marketing that you have a unique point of view right so what is your unique point of view that is the same analogy that we have applied to employer brand makes sense so now we now we are saying we cannot afford to be that company that just throws money at you because we have no unique point of view you know we can't I mean, I'm not saying all of the companies that are throwing money at you have bad culture, but I'm saying that is not of the paramount importance to them, right? So, because they are, you know, VC funded, the main goal for them is how can I get to the next round of funding? Revenue. Which means, you know, how <laughs> how can I grow the users, whatever, right? Revenue, I don't know. For many of the companies, <laughs> revenue doesn't even come into the picture. But let's say, you know, user growth is one of the main metrics, right? now we know that we cannot differentiate ourselves with the pay again i am caveating here we do pay well 
above market standards, but not as much as funded companies. So then we come back and say, you know, how can we create a unique niche for us, right? In the market and the market for us would be talent market, right? So that by having that we do by having a unique POV. What is our unique POV? We are employee centric. Employee well-being is the number one thing that we do. And every policy that we build in the company will have that as the central decision uh, point, right? So employee well-being will be the, of the paramount importance. So that shows up in our, you know, fully distributed. We are not only fully distributed, we pay to, you know, employees. So we pay like 25,000 rupees per annum for people to, you know, take a vacation in any part of the country as they please. We, of course, do, you know, all sorts of, you know, you want table, chair, desktop, laptop, whatever, right? All sorts of reimbursement. All of that we do, but also we try to be as async as possible, right? So we are not just remote for the sake of it. Like as a manager, I have a grand total of five calls per week. That's it. And I see in my team, the most number of calls that an IC does in our team, in the marketing team is three. Most of the people have one call per week. That's it. So those are the things that we focus a lot on. And that's what we, you know, we actually do that within that company. And that's what we talk about on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Now, so what that does, Sunil, is it attracts, is that it attracts the sort of people mm. that are, that want that sort of a lifestyle for themselves, yeah. right? So people who believe in sort of work-life balance, right? Now mm. it's perfectly fine. I'm not demeaning anyone. It's perfectly fine for someone to prioritize salary, right? But there would be a niche within that audience that is prioritizing work-life balance that, you know, wants to be able to work from their home. You know, there, there might be extenuating circumstances that do, doesn't allow them to move out of their tier three city or, you know, town or village, wherever they are. They want some kind of flexibility, right? So they might have, I don't know, ailing parents, maybe they have to make multiple hospital visits. So they will not be able to work in an in-office setting, but here they have the flexibility to say work in the later hours of the day and in the you know, nine to five, they can be doing something else, which is of much more importance in their personal life. So mm. that's how we have created a niche market for ourselves, right? Niche market within the talent market. Now, given that, you know, of course, that the, the number of those people might be very small, yeah. but those people have a very, very, very strong, you know, want to work with mm. us. You would, you would be surprised that, you know, at any point, I think the most number of job openings that we have had was like two months back, which was like 12 job openings. At this point, I oh. think we have two or three job openings. Still, we get 200 inbound applications every single day. Oh, wow. And that is, that, is, <laughs> that is insane for a company that is not talked about in the media. Yeah. Right? So that's another, that's another thing. I don't rely on media at all. We just rely on our own you know, employee advocates, you know, the founder brand in, you know, Dave Gerhard's jargon. So Karthik's LinkedIn, Twitter, my LinkedIn, Twitter, and all of this, right? So, yeah. So that is what having a unique POV has done, you know, approach to how we attract talent and all of that. And when that is the case, most of the people we are attracting are of the kind who, you know, are oriented towards our culture. So that's why in most cases, a culture test is not even required. That's why I took a step um, back to, exp 
explain to no, you no. this thing Make and sense. of course while while talking also you figure out right like there are enough questions that you can ask to get a feel of i'm not saying you know we have a 100% you know full proof way of figuring it out there is of course inherent bias in every single person but we get a good feel of you know whether this person will be a good fit or not makes sense yeah and uh, i don't know about everybody else who's listening now but i am thinking about the 200 applications that you get per day and how do i get access to that <laughs> if you are not hiring <laughs> i'm very sure like people are going to reach out uh, to you and say that hey abash if you are not hiring those people can you get access to that <laughs> you know what maybe not relevant to the conversation so we have built this applicant tracking system which is forever free it's called spring mm. recruit it is meant mm. for you know 50% startups 30% startups who maybe cannot afford a lever or a greenhouse or whatever right so that is the whole intent of it we want to forever free this was one of the ideas that we had that can we open the rejected talent pool of applicants within that ecosystem right so if mm-hmm. company x has rejected you know this candidate after three rounds of interview can we open it up to company y saying you know company x which is very similar to what you are doing and has a similar role open has rejected this candidate after two rounds so maybe you want to you know get on a call with this particular candidate but yeah yeah, uh, yeah. very Just, very interesting <laughs> very interesting but yeah man like uh, totally right as you said most of the people for like you know anybody right who's changing the job they will look for two things right one is salary and obviously second is culture right like how good is yeah. that but which is the one out of the two is on the higher priority for that person is a person. is a question right for as you said like if you pick 100 people for 90 of them 85 or 90 of them salary they would put as the primary like priority and yes. culture will always be second right second. but there are still like 5 10 people out of those like uh, 100 would be of you know hey no like even if i get paid like 5 10 lakhs less from the market that's okay but you know i'm getting good culture like you know my good work life balance which is you know equal to worth every penny that i'm not losing but you know just adjusting it some somewhere else right like i'm not i don't think i'm losing the money i'm not letting go of anything but i'm just getting something else added to like you know my life rather than just monetary benefits right yeah. so yeah. like do you feel the 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 amount of people which are there on the second side of things right which value the culture on the higher side than salary after covid has it changed like has it increased has it remained the same that is one and secondly what activities do you do for people like i'm very sure that out of those 80 85 who are still on the salary who are still putting salary on the primary like you know priority there would be still a good amount of people who would you know just switch to the second part if they're convinced right so what activities do you do to like you know make the switch for these people right and i'm sure like linkedin posts founder brand all yeah. the like you know cultural decisions that you have made the culture in general that you have built surely attracts right but then have you seen any tipping point for these people for these 80 85 people who who are putting salary on their thing but you know they they need like a certain push to come on the other side correct correct so yeah good question the answer to that is we don't want to go there 
right mm-hmm. so we just want to play in this niche which again you know this won't be a good analogy for a saas company because <laughs> you know for a saas company once you have you know captured a particular niche you want to increase your concentric circle and you know go mm-hmm. up market and all of that right but for us given for a saas company they are looking to increase their revenue right go from 1 million to 5 to 10 to 50 whatever right but for us we will possibly you know go from 200 employees to 400 employees in the next 2 years right? right so we don't need mm. to blitz scale our way in terms of number of employees so that is something that we don't want to do we don't want mm-hmm. to go and play there having said that having said that there are ecosystem or environmental factors if if, if you will that help us right mm-hmm. so what is happening now is without naming anyone there are at least three employees who have left us for other so called remote companies and they were promised in their you know job interview that you know your role will be permanently remote will never yeah. come call you back to office they are now being called back to office right <laughs> and so so these people are like of course you know uh, I, i'm not again i'm not demonizing them or anything it's perfectly fine to opt for that higher salary right mm. but now they have been sort of manipulated right they were mm. told that you know okay we will give you this higher higher salary and your role will be permanently remote but now they are being called back to office right mm. and so this is a very specific example but generally also as more and more people are being called back to offices and especially this is true for 27 28 years plus people right i think younger people still want to move to bigger cities because you know because they want to see the opportunities Yeah, glam and it's a big city, and let's be honest. You know there are basic stuff as well at play here, right? Like mm-hmm. if you think about, uh, you know, their dating life, for example, right? It's something we don't think about a lot, right? <laughs> like they're they're maybe you know staying with their parents. How much of a chance in a maybe a small town? How much of a chance do they have with something like that, right? So they mm-hmm. also want to hang out, watch you know movies in multiplexes. hang out with people of the opposite gender or whatever you know i don't want to get into that so for those reasons younger people do want to move to cities but then there is this you know 28 30 plus if i may who are sort of settled in life if you will <laughs> and they want to be able to do their things remotely or have the at least have the option of working from anywhere so now that they are being called back to office this this is also one of the reasons why the number of inbound applications to springworks has increased increased because yeah. because the companies that were pl- claiming that they are going to be remote are all suddenly you know saying that oh you know remote is not working for us people are not productive because i don't know how things are suddenly changing because for two years people were productive and now suddenly you know people are not productive so come back to office <laughs> but whatever we'll not get into that now these people are realizing that they got manipulated and they have gotten used to you know being productive working from anywhere or from home or wherever right so mm-hmm. that is also help, that is also helping our cause i hope that Makes answers sense. the question yeah yeah i think i think when you mention about like you know people going to cities for the dating part <laughs> when i moved to bangalore i was i never about like i never personally thought thought about this <laughs> my only thing was oh, i'll get to meet people and i'll do meetups no because that was the default that was the default right sunil but here they had no option for the last two years right yeah yeah so mm-hmm. now the thought process is very different uh, at yeah, that time pro- of course the pro- thing 
ஸ்ட் <laughs> for now and let's let's move on to the lightning round nothing you know where i'm going to put you on the spot for about sure. three questions <laughs> and you have to answer quickly because it's lightning round as it says so yeah you ready for it sure yes i am great so yeah first one like what's the one thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve uh just doing the thing so i keep giving this example i know this is a lightning round but just a quick example yeah, you know yeah, when yeah. i was le- when i was learning how to drive you know i was driving in city traffic and i was still you know scared and all of that so one day on a whim i decided we will do a, a, a you know road trip to manipal and i convinced <laughs> some of my manipal friends by the way this is a small university town in uh, karnataka done my engineering from so i just convinced them and said we will do this road trip and of course i told them you know i know how to drive but that sort of shortened the you know the learning curve for me so that was nice. essentially 500 into 2000 kilometers of ride over just 3 days and you know once i did that all the hesitations all the you know you do ghat roads and you know bunch of stuff <laughs> i mean you get all sorts of thing when you do a 500 yeah, yeah. kilometer up and down right so yeah that's mm-hmm. the only the only way to shorten that is you know just do the thing yeah learning by doing that's uh, oh, yeah, what yeah, we used to preach at what fix <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah second one like what do you know about your work now that you wish you would have known when you first started so the thing was you know you always wanted to be the manager mm-hmm. uh, that is always the goal right like oh <laughs> you know this manager is telling me things to do two years from now i will be the manager and i will uh, you know we have five people 10 people under me you know that this is the worst job possible being a manager it's a very tough job it requires a very different skill set that that is something you know the people at people don't think about at 25 26 mm. uh, because you have to let go of the ego of execution right like yeah. execution is the last thing on your to do list the the first priority is you know unblocking your people enabling them to do their work properly mm. you know helping them reach their goals right so that yeah. is yeah uh one of the things that i learned nice nice i've always been an ic by the way <laughs> and i never want to become a manager not for the ego oh, I, part, I t- but i love execution that's why <laughs> oh i truly i i totally get you i totally get you it's not for everyone it's not for everyone yeah yeah and that is something i figured out way early that i what i don't want to do more than what i want to do and okay these are ten things i never will really never want to do and i won't yeah. go in that line at all this know? is one of the this is one of the topics that is also very close to my heart like in every single podcast that i do you know on, and most of my guests are people from the hr world mm-hmm. right i ask them this question again and again like because what happens is 
you are a very good individual contributor and then suddenly you are asked you know okay we are growing now hire three people and by default you are the manager right but manager yeah, yeah. is a very different line of work altogether it's needs a very different skill set and at least in startups no one gets trained for those skill sets and that's how mm. we end up with bad managers right of course mm. you can learn on the job but while you are learning the three people under you are bearing the brunt <laughs> of you being a bad manager so yeah, yeah, again yeah. a topic that is close to my heart yeah it's a lot of ripple effect ஒன்ஸ் but i have always had you know can i do a bunch of stuff you know that's that's what daniel was calls you know having a portfolio of small bets so you like mm. have a micro saas you have like you know maybe a part time job uh, maybe you do something else on the side and are you able to you know do your hobbies also on the side so that sort of uh, stuff attracts i'm attracted to and that's why daniel vasalo people like david perel because writing mm. is something that you know again i want to of the writer so yeah those are the sort of people who inspire me a lot daniel vasalo david perel yeah those are the first names that come to mind immediately uh, ryan holiday by the way ryan mm-hmm. holiday ego is the enemy that is my favorite yeah, yeah. book and ryan holiday one of my favorite people on the internet uh, as well that's that's really amazing I, it's great to see like so many people uh, inspiring you and like from different backgrounds for different reasons right and yeah. a lot to learn from uh, each one of them for sure Okay. amazing so yeah th- thanks a lot abash for do- for doing this i mean it was really interesting again as i said we can go on and on talking about culture and i, I think know. this is I like know. one <laughs> one talk topic like we both love yeah. and uh, thanks a lot for again for your time maybe, maybe we should maybe this. we should take maybe we should take another 3 years to do the next <laughs> a follow up to this yeah no i that that's something bad on my end i'm gonna like if no, the no, next no, episode no. happens it's gonna happen like in the next year for sure <laughs> ஒரு <laughs> 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 